0: And now Old Hills Radio is proud to present the master of mystery, the world-famous Nordic detective Sven Marlowe, and the case of Mrs. Ingelborg's dog.
1: Modern life brings conveniences to our busy lives, easy distractions that take us away from our troubles and worries. These days it's easy to sit in your house and stare at a big screen for hours, watching mind-numbing images flash across our eyes. Somehow we've lost something. Lost the human contact we used to have. There was a time, not too long ago, that things were simpler. Men were men. Women were women. And they all knew their place. Instead of hypnotic flat-screen TVs, mesmerizing every minute of our waking day, we had radio broadcasts. Radio is different. It's more of a true storytelling experience. When you listen to a radio story, you become part of the show. You actively engage using your imagination. Today, I was using my imagination, listening to my favorite old time radio program, Sam Spade. While working on my car, the judge. Yeah, Rosemary, I guess we were all too late. Now, who could that be? Uh, I guess I'll have to turn this off. Uh, Come on in, door's open.
2: Hi, Sven. Working on the judge today?
1: Sure, Gerda. I was listening to one of my favorite radio shows when you knocked. Sam Spade, hard-boiled detective.
2: Sam Spade? Is that one of those cheesy old-time radio shows?
1: Cheesy? It's from a different time, Gerda. A time when men were men and women were women.
2: Women were women? What is that supposed to mean?
1: You know, Gerda. Beautiful damsels in distress, hard-boiled detectives. Hand me that wrench, Gerda. This one? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, be careful of the hood. I've got it propped open with that wooden post.
2: I'll be careful. We wouldn't want to smash that idiotic head of yours.
1: Here. Yeah, thanks. Don't you ever think it would be simpler to live in the old days? Back when America was a little rough around the edges. Uh, Hand me that hammer, would you? And And watch out for that post holding up the
2: hood. I heard you the first time, Sven. I don't know about the
1: old days.
2: They didn't treat women or minorities very well back then. We've come too far to go back to those times.
1: But, Gerda, people had more freedom to say what they thought, to do what needed to be done. Shoot first. Ask questions later.
2: Shoot first? Sven, what is wrong with you? I didn't realize you had such a regressive attitude.
1: Relax, Gerda. It would take more than an old radio program to change my ways. Hand me that screwdriver, will you? This one? Watch the hood!
2: Sven! Sven! Are you okay?
1: One moment I'm in my garage working on the judge. And the next... I find myself lying in a sterile bed. Staring up at dirty gray tiles in the ceiling. The smell of antiseptic assaulting my nose. No doubt about it, somehow... I ended up a patient at Norstown Hospital. I turned my head to one side and saw my reflection in the mirror. I wore one of those flimsy green hospital robes open at the rear so all the world can get a look at my backside. The bloodied bandage wrapped around my skull made me look like I'd been in a fight with a Mack truck and lost. Something was different though. Even though I looked terrible, Felt good. Tough. Ready to take on the world. I sat up and spotted a good looking dame next to a dark, swarthy character standing in the doorway of my hospital room. As they entered, I realized it was my good friend Gerda and Norstown's only cab driver, Abdi. Sven, you're
2: awake.
1: Hello, doll face. Awake and ready to bust out of this joint.
0: Bust out? Marlow, you cannot leave. You have a, um, how you say, combustion. A combustion?
2: He means a concussion. You took a hard blow to the head, Sven.
0: The doctor says you need to stay overnight for observations.
1: Overnight? No way, no how. That doctor doesn't know what he's talking about.
2: I don't know, Sven. You don't look too good. That is true, Marlowe. You, you look
0: like you lost an argument with an irate camel.
1: Yeah, I don't care how I look. I feel fine, I tell you. Now, who's got a getaway car?
0: I
2: don't think this is a good idea.
0: Uh, my cab is parked in front of the
1: hospital, if you insist,
0: Marlowe. That's
1: more like it. Come on, let's blow this joint. After getting a ride in Abdi's so-called taxi, Back to the office. I insisted he and Gerda let me rest. They promised to check in on me in a while and they left. I felt fine, but something was off, something I couldn't quite put my finger on. I spent the next hour searching the office, sure that I had forgotten a hidden bankroll or gun. I eventually found the hidden dough of $37, but my piece was nowhere to be found. That's how it is when you live a life of danger. Live life on the edge. One day you're up, the next day you're down. I'm a private dick in a small town and I always need to watch my back. I just sat behind my desk with a cup of joe when I heard a knock at the door. Come on in, door's open.
3: Hello, Mr. Marlowe. My name is Mrs. Betty Ingelborg. I was a friend of your granddad.
1: A friend of granddad? Uh, please, sit down, In- Mrs. Ingelborg. What can I do for you?
3: Oh, thank you, Sven. I'm at my wit's end. You see, Mr. Peabody is missing. He was there one minute and gone the next. Oh, what am I going to do, Sven? L-
1: look, slow down, Mrs. Ingelborg. Uh, why-, why don't you start at the beginning? Who is Mr. Peabody?
3: Oh, I'm sorry, Sven. Let me explain. (sighs) Mr. Peabody is my best friend, my only friend. You see, Mr. Peabody is my dog, and now he's gone.
1: Your dog. Oh, I see.
3: That's right, Sven. He went missing two days ago. Just disappeared. It was just before my niece came to visit.
1: Right, your niece. I think I'm beginning to understand, Mrs. Ingleborg.:
3: I'm not sure that you do, Mr. Marlowe. Please, I just want you to find Mr. Peabody and bring him home safely.
1: Right. Bring him home safely. Look, Mrs. Ingleborg, first it's your missing dog, then it's your niece. Now, now I need to bring Mr. Peabody home safely. Why don't you just quit with the pretense and give me the straight dope?
3: Straight dope? Do you mean my medications, Mr. Marlowe? You
1: know what I mean, Mrs. Ingelborg. Tell me the truth. Tell me what's really going on and tell me now.
3: What's really going on? I don't know what you mean, Mr. Marlowe.
1: Why don't we cut to the chase, Mrs. Ingelborg? Do you suspect your husband of having an affair? I- is he embezzling at his company? Which is it, Mrs. Ingleborg?
3: My husband has been dead for five years, Mr. Marlowe.
1: Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Mrs. Ingelborg. tell me then, uh, have you spurned any lovers? Do, do you have any enemies? Mr. Marlowe, I just want you to find my lost dog. Right, sticking with the lost dog angle. Tell you what, Mrs. Ingelborg, I'll take the case, but it's going to cost you $150 a day plus expenses, and I'm going to have to get better cooperation.
3: That's fine, Mr. Marlowe. I insist you come over tonight for dinner and let me know what you've learned.
1: It was clear that if I was going to learn about Mrs. Ingleborg's dog, I'd have to look high and low. And what's the best place to find the worst sort of low life scum than the local tavern? Plus, it was lunchtime and I was famished. As I walked to the tavern, I noticed a strange fellow following me. Someone I'd never seen before. I could tell he was from out of town by the dark suit and quiet confidence he tried to ooze. I ignored the chump and let him follow me to my favorite watering hole. When I walked into Odin's Eye Tavern, the stench of stale beer and broken dreams hit me across the face like a jealous boyfriend. The bartender looked sideways at me when I ordered my whiskey and water, like I did something wrong. I ignored him too interested in the fella that had followed me into the building. I took my drink, joined the stranger at the far end of the bar. Wow. Uh, you mind if I join you? Uh, well, uh... Thanks! New in town, aren't you? Hey, look, do I know you? Don't play dumb with me, buddy. Dumb? I assure you, Mr... Uh... The name's Marlo.
4: Sven. Marlowe. Mr. Marlowe, I do not play dumb. Oh, I
1: see. So you're just naturally that way, then.
4: Why, you imbecile? Look,
1: friend. Do you ever pick up I'm your with for... broken fingers? Why are you following me? Does it have anything to do with Mrs. Ingelborg's dog? Mrs. Engelborg's dog? What on earth are you rambling on about? You know, Wolf Fetch. Roll over, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I know what a dog is. Oh good, we're getting somewhere then. Ah. Now tell me what you know about Mrs. Engelborg's dog. Look, Marlo,
4: I don't know anything about
1: Mrs. Engelborg's dog. Yeah? Well, me and my two friends here think you do. Oh yeah? Two friends, huh? What two friends are you referring to? These two friends. Take this! Hey! And this! I oh, yeah, am you, you're gonna regret that, Marlo. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's it, fella. Let's take this outside. Sven! Come
4: on!
2: Sven! Sven, what is going on here? Uh,
4: nothing,
1: Gerda. I-, I was just leaving.
2: Hey, get that crazy man out of here. Come on, Sven. Let's go.
4: I better not see your face again,
1: Marlow. It will be bad news for you if you do, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I let Gerda drag me out of the Odin's Eye Tavern and into her car. That guy was bad news. I could smell it on him like cheap cologne. Gerda took me back to the hospital, said I was acting strange and violent, but I refused to go in, so she drove me back to the office. Once back to the office, Gerda left to get something to eat from the joint downstairs, while I brewed a new pot of coffee, hot and strong enough to build a garage on. I was just pouring the first cup of joe into my favorite cup when I heard another knock on the door. Behind the frosted glass door I saw a shape that hinted at beauty about to be dropped on my lap like a half-eaten donut. I told her to come in, and boy, did she. A Nordic goddess entering her chamber, wearing a painted-on dress, cut so low I swore I could see her umbilical cord. I found myself staring my jaw hanging low as she moved across the room to stand in front of my desk. I picked myself up off the floor and invited her to sit. Well, hello, Ms.
5: Jesse. Jesse Barnes.
1: Marlowe. Sven Marlowe. Please have a, have a seat, Ms. Barnes. Can I get you a drink?
5: No, thank you, Mr. Marlowe.
1: What can I do for you, Ms. Barnes?
5: Well, Mr. Marlowe, you see this necklace I'm wearing?
1: I do. It's beautiful. Like the sun in the morning, Ms. Barnes.
5: I was given this by my mother, who recently passed.
1: I see. I'm sorry to hear that, Ms. Barnes.
5: Oh, thank you, Marlowe. It's been a hard month, but everything's getting back to normal now. However, that's not why I came into your office today.
1: No. Why are you here, Ms. Barnes?
5: Please call me Jessie.
1: Okay. Why are you here, Jessie?
5: I'm here in Norristown to visit my aunt, whom I've never met until yesterday. I believe you know her, Mrs. Betty Engelborg.
1: Sure, Mrs. Engelborg. I do know her.
5: And I understand she's hired you to find her missing dog.
1: I never discuss a client's business, Ms. Uh, Jessie.
5: (laughs) Oh, Marlo, she doesn't own a dog. She doesn't even like dogs. I'm afraid she's losing her mind.
1: Well, she seemed perfectly sane to me, Jessie.
5: But you haven't seen her like I have. She wanders around her big old house talking to herself. Last night I woke up to her voice and found her arguing with a large painting of Daniel she keeps at the front of the house. Daniel? Her dead husband. Later I woke to find her standing over the bed my fiancé and I were sleeping in, just staring at us. The look on her face was horrible, blank, like she wasn't there at all.
1: I understand your concern and all, Ms. Barnes. Barnes. But she did hire me, and I never let a client down.
5: And that brings me back to the necklace my mother left me. How do you mean? Well, I don't have a lot of cash, Mr. Marlowe. And I know this necklace is worth a lot more than my aunt is paying you. I'd like to pay you for your time and ask you to stop this pointless investigation.
1: I'm sorry, Ms. Barnes. I can't do that.
5: Yes, yes you can, Mr. Marlowe. She's a sick woman and doesn't need people taking advantage of her.
1: Taking advantage of her? Yes, I see what you mean.
5: Oh, good. So you'll drop the case, Mr. Marlowe.
1: No, Ms. Barnes. I promised Mrs. Engelborg that I would come over for dinner tonight and report on my progress, and I intend to do just that. If everything is as you say, I'll refuse to do any more on this case and refund her the time I've spent so far.
5: I don't think that's necessary, Mr. Marlowe. Please, take this necklace in payment, and let's just leave it at that.
1: I'm afraid I can't do that, Miss Barnes. Now, if you'll excuse me as much as I'd like to enjoy your company, I have some business to take care of.
5: Oh, of course.
2: Oh, excuse me.
5: Hmm, I was just leaving. Sven,
2: what was that all about? Who was that woman?
1: That, Gerda, my friend, was a clue dressed in expensive clothes and designer shoes.
2: What do you mean, Sven?
1: Jessie Barnes, the niece of my client. She tried to get me to stop the investigation. Says her aunt is going crazy.
2: She's probably just looking after her aunt. I'm sure she doesn't want her taken advantage of.
1: Yeah, that's what she said. I wonder who is taken advantage of who.
2: Sven, you're not making sense. I'm really worried about you. You beat up a perfect stranger at the Odin's Eye, and you think Mrs. Engelborg's niece is conspiring against you. Why don't you let me take you to the doctor, Sven? Have your head checked out.
1: I don't need a doctor, Gerda. I need people around that I can trust. I can see that you're not one of them. Lock the door when you leave, Gerda. Sven... Experience has shown me that trust is best given in small amounts, like hors d'oeuvres at a high-class restaurant. And I'd eaten about as much as I could today. The more I thought about Ms. Barnes and her request, the more something felt wrong. She told me she doesn't want her aunt taken advantage of. Well, Mrs. Ingelborg is my client, and if anyone was going to take advantage of her, it would be me. I stopped by the local dog shelter, but they had no new prisoners, and the dog catcher hadn't taken in any strays either. The whole thing stunk, and my mood was turning sour as I pulled into Mrs. Engelborg's driveway and walked up the path. I heard an argument from inside, and something I heard stopped my hand from knocking on the door.
4: I don't like this. I mean, why the old Biddy hiring? She doesn't even have a dog.
5: Keep it down, Eddie. Betty will hear you. Anyway, I'm pretty sure she's going nuts. Besides, once Marlo sees she has no dog, he'll leave us alone and we can complete the plan. Yeah, if,
4: if you say so, Jess. I, I don't like to... that guy though. My, my jaw is still sore from that incident in the bar this afternoon.
5: I want you to behave yourself tonight. Once we get rid of Marlo, we get rid of Aunt Betty and all that money will be ours.
4: I'll answer the door, you go get the old lady. Ah, Mr. Marlowe. We meet again. You, the guy from the bar. That's right, Marlowe. Eddie Diamond's the name. Hey, let's put the past behind us. I don't want a silly misunderstanding
1: to make for an unpleasant evening. I guess I can do that, Mr. Diamond. For Mrs. Engelborg's sake. Good. Please, do come in.
4: This way, Marlowe. My fiancé has gone to assist Mrs. Engelborg in uh, setting the dinner table. Everything should be in
1: order. Great. I look forward to letting Mrs. Engelborg know what I've found out about her dog.
3: Ah, Marlowe. Thank you so much for coming.
1: It's my pleasure, Mrs. Engelborg. The grub smells delish.
3: Delish?
5: He means the food smells great.
3: Oh, why, thank you, Marlowe. It's my specialty. Fish pudding, cloudberries, and meatballs.
1: Oh, I can hardly wait to sink my teeth into it all.
3: Let me introduce you to my niece, Jessie, and her fiancé, Eddie.
1: Yeah, we've met.
3: Oh, you have? Of course. Norstown is a small town, after all. Come, everyone. Let's eat.
4: Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, tell me, Marlowe, what made you want to go into the private detective business here in Norstown? Mm. Uh, Hey, this
1: food is delicious, Mrs. Engelborg. Even though Norstown is small, like any city, it has a dark underbelly. You know, corrupt politicians. A criminal element, if you know what I mean, Eddie. Uh
5: Mm. Dark underbelly. The only darkness I've seen here is in the park at night. You can see so many more stars here than you can out east.
1: Oh, you'd be surprised at the kind of out-of-town, low-life scumbags I have had the great displeasure to come into contact with here in Norstown, Ms. Barnes. Maybe you know some of them.
3: Tell me, Marlowe, what's the most dangerous case you've solved?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, Mrs. Engelborg. I have learned that... Most dastardly deeds, murder, betrayal, that sort of thing, are almost always done by members of my client's family. How did you say you were related, Ms. Barnes?
5: I'm her niece.
4: Enough of this small talk, Marlowe. Tell us, uh, what have you
1: discovered about Mrs. Engelberg's dog? The dog has proven to be quite elusive. Nothing in the local shelters or animal control. The few local criminals I've shaken down don't know anything either. I'm sorry to say I've turned
3: up empty-handed, Mrs. Engelborg. Oh, my. I'm afraid I have a tiny confession to make.
5: What is it, Aunt Betty?
3: Well, you see, I don't actually have a dog. I
5: told you. uh,
1: She don't got no dog. Mrs. Engelborg... You hired me to find your lost dog.
3: I know, Marlowe. I'm sorry. I guess I was just looking for some excitement, and I thought hiring a detective would be fun.
1: <sighs> I, uh, I don't know what to say, Mrs. Zingalbore. <laughs> Try see you later, alligator,
4: Marlowe. Uh,
3: Marlowe will do no such thing, Eddie. <gasps> We've had a lovely meal, and I intend to pay Marlowe for all of his time.
5: Um, is that necessary, Aunt Betty? Of
3: course it is, dear. (gasps) Mr. Marlowe has put in time and effort and deserves payment.
1: I appreciate that, Mrs. Ingelborg. Are you sure there's nothing else you hired me for?
3: Now what would an old woman like me ever need a private detective for? Oh, oh my! It appears that my busy day has caught up with me. Jessie, be a dear and clear the table and bring Mr. Marlowe a cup of coffee for the road. I feel dreadfully tired and need to lie down. Yes, Aunt Betty.
1: Uh, good night, Mrs. Ingeborg.
3: Good night, Mr. Marlowe. Pay attention now
5: Eddie. Give me a hand in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, If you say so, Jess. What did she mean by that? Pay attention. Hmm. Sven Marlowe.
2: Sven, I've been doing some research and you were right.
1: Right about what, Gerda?
2: About everything. Mrs. Engelborg and her sister hadn't seen each other for 20 years.
1: Her sister?
2: Jessie's mother. She left her considerable estate to her sister, Betty Engelborg. Apparently, she wanted to make up for the lost years.
1: Ah, I'm beginning to understand. Since Mrs. Engelborg never had any kids, if she dies, all her money goes to... Jesse
4: Burns. Put the phone down, Sven. Now, don't
1: do anything crazy, Mr. Diamond. Crazy? Me? Jessica, I think you better come in here. Put the gun away, Mr. Diamond, and let's
4: talk like rational men. (laughs) Rational men? Oh, you are
1: quite the hypocrite, aren't you, Marlo?
4: Did you feel like a rational man
1: when you attacked me in the bar? Look, Mr. Diamond, I clearly made a mistake back there.
5: Eddie, what's going on? It
1: appears that our friend Marlo
4: here knows far too much. He knows about the money. He knows about your Aunt Betty. Betty.
5: That's it, then. We're going to have to call it off. No,
4: baby. This is perfect. Marlowe here has been acting irrational, looking for an imaginary dog, attacking poor innocent people, seemingly at random. Oh, come on, Mr. Diamond. Don't do this. Be quiet, Marlo, or I'll be forced to pistol-whip you.
5: What did he mean? Don't do what?
4: It's simple, Jess. We make it look like Marlo killed Aunt Betty and then himself.
5: Oh, I don't know, Eddie.
1: Yeah, listen to her, Mr. Diamond.
5: Didn't I tell you to shut up,
1: Marlow? This'll keep you quiet. I woke up in someone's kitchen. I could hear a motor in the background, a high-pitched whine. My hands were tied behind a kitchen chair, and I had a gag across my mouth. I heard voices coming from the other room. It sounded like an argument of some sort. I was straining to hear what they were saying when I felt the gag on my face fall away and heard a friendly voice in my ear.
2: Sven, I'm going to untie these ropes. As
0: you can see, the Power Max 10,000 picks up every
5: bit of dirt you throw at it.
1: What is going on, Gerda?
5: Please, we aren't interested in a vacuum.
2: Abdi's distracting the crooks with his vacuum cleaner salesman shtick. Well, you and I make our escape. Now hold still.
0: Did I not tell you that this amazing machine can also
4: shampoo your carpets?
1: Gerda, I'm sorry about everything. I've been acting crazy. Look, buddy, if
4: you don't leave right now, I'm going to throw you
2: out. Thanks, Sven. But let's not worry about that now. I've got to get these knots undone.
4: Would you like to see the window washing attachment? Ouch, you're
1: making them tighter. Eddie,
5: did you hear that?
4: All right, buddy, drop the vacuum and come with me. I always listen to the man with the gun. And the man with the gun says, come with me.
5: There, you're free, let's go. You aren't going anywhere, sister.
4: Get in there, keep your hands up. I am
5: doing
0: as you tell me to, sir. No reason to get angry.
4: You can't murder us all in cold blood. Oh, can't I, Marlo? <laughs> no one will hear. The old lady is out cold thanks to the sleeping pills we put in her food.
2: You're not going to get away with this, Eddie. This isn't going to end well. You're right. This isn't
5: going to end well. At least for you three.
0: <laughs> I, I am so sorry, Marlo. This is my fault. How oh, am I to know they did not have
1: any carpeting? It's okay, Abdi. You did your best. That's what matters.
4: So, uh, which one of you wants to go first? Hmm? No takers? Very well, I'll decide for you. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Looks like you get the honor, Abdi.
0: Uh, I regret that I have only. One life to give for my friends.
4: Say goodnight.
3: Put the gun down, Eddie. I haven't fired this old shotgun in quite a while, but I still remember how to do it. Aunt Betty? Don't Aunt Betty me, dearie. Put the gun down, Eddie, or I'll give you both barrels.
1: You wouldn't dare. Wouldn't I?
3: Now, while he's distracted.
1: This is for Mrs. Ingeborg's dog. Take this! Ow! Quick, Gerda! He
2: dropped his gun! It's mine. Oh no, it's not, sister. Take this.
4: I'll show you, Marlow. How do you like a punch in the
3: face? All right! Everybody freeze! Abdi, Gerda, tie those two criminals up. Are you okay, Mr. Marlowe?
1: Yeah, thanks to you, Mrs. Ingelberg. How did you manage to avoid the sleeping pills those crooks fed you?
3: Oh, I knew what those two were up to the whole time, Mr. Marlowe. That's why I hired you in the first place. I don't understand, Mrs. Engelborg. How did you know? My sister called me a few days before she died. She told me her biggest regret was spoiling her only daughter. She removed Jessie from the will and was afraid the girl might try something like this. It was her wish that I hold on to the inheritance until Jessie had proven herself one way or another i guess she has
1: and so ended the case of mrs ingelborg's dog under sheriff benson and his band of cohorts removed the two crooks to the county jail mrs ingelborg served us coffee and apologized and paid me twice what i had asked for she also gave me a bowl full of fish pudding to take home for later Back at the office, I thanked both Gerda and Abdi for coming to my rescue, even though I had acted rude and rough to them. Gerda told me that the form of amnesia I had can make you super smart or even take on a different personality. Sometimes a second blow to the head is all it takes to bring you back to your senses. I was glad to be back to my old self, ready to take on the small-town challenges of a small-town detective agency. Life can be hard and cruel in the dark alleys of the city, but here in Norstown, kindness and respect make the world go round.
0: You've been listening to the adventures of Sven Marlowe, small-town detective, in the case of Mrs. Ingelborg's dog. Today's show was produced in the studio of WDRT Viroqua, Wisconsin. 91.9 FM, the cast today, included Steve Lorden as Sven Marlowe, Michelle Pedretti as Gerda Henshorn, Carl Schlecht as Abdi, Margot Hipwell as Mrs. Ingelborg, Adam Fogelson as Eddie Diamond, and Sophie Lebanon as Jesse Barnes. With live sound effects by Josh Peters and Rusty James as our audio engineer. Recorded music used in this production was by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com. The case of Mrs. Engelborg's dog was written by Life Erickson and Josh Peters. Subscribe to the Old Hills podcast at oldhillsaudiotheater.podbean.com or subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Stay tuned for the next adventure of Sven Marlowe, small town town.